this will be our last week. Some of you are probably like, oh, yes. Our last week in the series, Church Matters. Um, we've been in this series for, like I said, lo- a lot longer than I usually like to stay in series. I love to just plow through Scripture. This has been a little challenge, more challenging for me, but it's also, I hope, been very beneficial for all of us uh, as we've considered that church matters. This, this body of believers matters. Uh, and so this is the last week we're going to look at deacons. What are the role of deacons? Who are they to be? Um, and this one's a really important week for us. Uh, I'll continue to remind you, we're hoping to bring on more deacons. So as a church, as you're listening to this, don't just listen to it and think, well, I'm not a deacon. I'm not going to be qualified to be a deacon. That's not the point. Don't, don't miss that. The point is that we are trying to be faithful in the house of God, okay? This, so this matters with faithfulness unto Christ in that way, okay? So I'm going to read it, First uh, Timothy 3, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 13. Um, so here, uh, yeah, First Timothy 3, 8 through 13. This is God's Word. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things." Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their own households well. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we're getting ready to make some important decisions as a, as a church praying and seeking more faithful men, faithful men to be put alongside the deacons that are already serving. And so, Father, I again just thank you for the men we have that have served this body faithfully. Lord, men I maybe even have never even met, but the men who are serving now faithfully, thank you for them. And as we consider bringing on more faithful men, Lord, we just want to be faithful to you because we know when we do that, you bring the growth. You bring the growth. But Lord, more than all of that, you get the glory. So Lord, help us to be faithful. Give us what we need, we pray now. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a little slip of paper, and you've maybe never even noticed it, but you'll probably start noticing it now that I've said this. If you walk down the steps, and I was actually going to bring it with me, and I don't have it, uh, there's a little slip of paper on the bulletin board, which I have no clue who put it there. I have no clue, but I'm really grateful for it, because it's very small. It's just on the left-hand corner, and it says ministry, job versus ministry, and it, it goes through like, this is what it looks like. This is what ministry looks like if it becomes a job, and basically the job part of it, job, it's a job if we complain about it. It's a job if we think that if no one thanks us, then we quit. It's a job if we're looking for some sort of extra reward. But then it compares it, I think, very helpfully and says, if it's ministry, we're not looking to be thanked by others. We're not looking to be complaining about it. Because why? We're doing it unto Christ. And I love that little slip of paper. It's so small. No clue who wrote it. No clue why it's there. I'm going to keep it there, though. I love things like that. I don't know who put it there. I'm glad it's there, and it will stay there. 
But as you look at it, the next time you walk down, it's very helpful. Because I can tell you, I can guarantee you, even about my own preaching, if, if you ever complain about my preaching, and I hope you do to me, I would love to hear that. If I know I'm not doing this rightly, you know how I know? When I hear a complaint about it, and I think, oh, come on now, like, that, that's not fair. If I'm going to grumble about it, I can guarantee you I'm not doing this unto the Lord. So when you speak, if you speak and you're like, Daniel, you're a terrible preacher. If that offends me, there's something wrong in what I'm doing. Same thing with me being a dad. Same thing with me being a dad. If someone looks at me and says, Daniel, you're a, da- you're, you're a terrible dad. You're an awful dad. Well, there maybe could be better ways that they could say it. But if I get offended at it, I know I'm a weak man. I know I'm a weak man. I know I need prayer in regard to this. I know I, know I need help in every way. I wouldn't be offended. But when I do get offended, it shows I'm not doing this really unto the Lord. So this is real. What we're talking about today is very, very, very important. Because it, it, I would argue it's a matter of if, if our church will really one day grow. And I've heard many of you guys say it, and I think you're right. I long to see our church grow in faithfulness, but I long to see it grow numerically. For it to do so, though, we need faithfulness. From the top down, from the bottom up, we need faithfulness, and that's all we can do. God brings the growth then. Okay, so this is what I want us to see today. It's very simple. It's at the top of your page. Deacons are respected, doctrinally sound men, sorry, doctrinally sound family men, if I could read, who serve the bride of Christ. Their cry of my life for yours is God's plan of care. And I would argue, and I think it's true, that many churches don't grow, though they want to, because they're really not healthy. And I think it's actually a grace of God. Because why would he want a church to grow that's going to produce more unhealth? If it's unhealthy from within, why on earth would we want more of them? I think it's actually judgment for those churches if they grow in that way. So I'm glad, I'm grateful uh, that God gives slow growth in that way. I want you to notice, now we've already read it, but I'm going to continue to lay it forward to you. The, The message today is all about deacons, but it matters to the gospel. If we live in such a way that says, all that matters is our salvation in Christ, then we will neglect so much of the New Testament. Because what we're going to talk about today is an implication of the gospel. When the gospel hits us, listen to what he says in 1 Timothy again, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. And so rather than just continuing to be like, of whom I am the foremost, how great, what an amazing thing, what's he lay out for us? And this is how deacons ought to be. This is how elders ought to be. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. He doesn't just keep writing those things. He could, but he says, no, you ought to live in light of it, and here's how you do it. Notice down 1 Timothy 3, 14. If you're you're looking at 1 Timothy 3, you'll see just the verses right after this. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay... That's for me and you. We've never met the Apostle Paul. But we're sitting here reading his letter to Timothy. And he says, if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar, a pillar 
and buttress of the truth. Literally, if, this, if what we do today, if you hear this message today and we, we, we screw it up and we put deacons in that will be unfaithful, we are not hurting just this church. We are hurting the truth. We are making the pillar and buttress of the truth a shaky foundation. And so when, you hear what, when we hear this message today, just, just know this is, what, this is why I'm giving it, this is why I'm spending so much time on deacons in this, in this way. And elders, the same thing for elders. So after addressing the elders, we looked at the elders in verses 1 through 7 the other, a couple weeks ago. But his desire, Paul's desire, is to help bring structure to the church of Jesus Christ, okay? And so I want you to see, jump down to verse 8, and we're going to see who a deacon is. What is a deacon? And I would say the first thing that we see about a deacon is a deacon is a dignified man. Notice what he says in verse 8. Deacons likewise must be dignified. So he's a dignified man. That does not mean he just sits and drinks really nice wine and we all sit around and he's dignified. No, he's respected. This man is respected in every way. He's a man who, when you're sitting here in the community of faith, you sit and think, I wonder what he's thinking about this. I wonder what so-and-so is thinking. I'd love to hear what he has to say. I want to hear what he has to say. I want to see the way that he cares for this congregation. He's worthy of respect. And ultimately, he's respected by all. Deacons, similar to elders in that way, you, you ought not to have to go and be like, hey, who wants to be an elder up here? Who wants to be a deacon? It's like what we, we do at some level, but at the same time, we shouldn't twist people's arms because the deacons ought to be just really clear who they are. They're respected by everyone. Now, he gives some qualifications for what a deacon must be. So notice what he says again in verse 8. So deacons likewise must be dignified. They must be respected. They also should not be, notice what he says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued. That's the word. Not double-tongued. Now, we know what double-tongued means. We, we say it all the time. If you ever hear people, the modern-day equivalent is to say that, oh, 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 she's two-faced. Have you ever heard that phrase? Or, oh, they speak out of both sides of their mouth. What that means is they'll say one thing to this person, and then they'll say another thing to this person, and they'll say another thing to that person. It's a very salesman-like. If you're a salesman, I'm not. But <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I will, I'll retract that. <laughs> it's not a salesman. You know what I mean. Greasy car salesman type. He'll say anything to get you to buy it. That's not what we're talking about with a deacon. That ought not to be the way a deacon is. You know, I remember watching the movie, maybe you're familiar with it, the movie Remember the Titans. I love that movie. And it always struck me as I watched it as when I was younger. And there's just such racism in that movie. And one of the guys who's like the most racist coach, the other coach says, he, he left, he leaves, he gets all befuddled and he leaves. And the other coach looks at him and says, don't worry, I'll see him at deacon's meeting on Monday. Is that the way it's supposed to be? Unfortunately, that's the, that's the reputation in a lot of ways. Here's two other ways to think about it. It's to speak in two directions. To cover, here's, here's another one. To cover one's thoughts by means of one's words. And deacons ought not to be that. Here's the second thing we want to see that they're not. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, and so, or not devoted to alcohol in that way. And basically, it's simply, they're not, they're able to control their passions. I think it's interesting that it says in verse 8 that they're not addicted to much wine. That same word that's used for addicted is the same word that's used for devoted. 
for elders. It says that elders are devoted to the word of God. That's the way that they're saying the deacons ought not to be devoted to wine. So how the elder goes to the word of God, deacons ought not to go to alcohol. It's not, this, this does not mean, I want to be very clear as well, this does not mean deacons aren't allowed to drink. This means they're not allowed to be devoted to the drink in that way. There's a big difference there. Um, there okay, next thing, uh, notice what he says again in verse 8. He says, deacons likewise must be dignified, not double-tongued, not two-faced, not addicted or devoted to much wine. Here's the last one. Not greedy for dishonest gain. This is a person who wants money more than they want to serve God. Matthew 6, Jesus tells us no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money, or money, or, or mammon is another way to say it, or possessions. And here's the reason. Here's the reason for all three of these things. Not double-tongued, not devoted to alcohol, not greedy for dishonest gain. You know what? The deacon's work from week to week, from day to day, from year to year, is a very unnoticed work. Did you know that? There are so many things in a given week that a deacon does or does not do that nobody will notice. Not one person will see. Not one person. Which is why, if we have men who are considered crafty in that way, men who are double-tongued, men who are devoted to alcohol, men who are greedy for dishonest gain. We as a church are giving them money and saying, hey, distribute that. What do you think happens? It starts to go into the, his pocket, doesn't it? Which is why we, we as a church, to consider for a minute the mischief that can come from unqualified deacons, I would argue it brings great, great harm to our body. Instead of bringing unity, he brings disunity. Instead of serving others, he uses others. I don't care if it's said of other churches. Hey, yeah, that, that deacon over there, yeah, he's a deacon down at whatever church. I don't care about that. I, I don't care. I remember, I remember watching remember the Titans. I don't care that the coach was a deacon. What I care about is this body's deacons. That's what I care about. That's what we all should care about. Let the world go whatever direction they go. But in this body, may the deacons be godly men. May they be respected by all. Here's the second thing we need to notice about them. So not only are they a dignified man, secondly, they're a doctrinally sound man. Doctrinally sound just means that they're committed to faithful teaching. They're doctrinally sound. Now, this is the difference between a deacon and an elder. An elder needs to be a teacher. He needs to teach and divide God's Word rightly. But a deacon doesn't need to be a teacher. He doesn't have to be a teacher at all. It's actually not wrong of him not to be a teacher. But there's a difference. They're a teacher. The elders are teachers, but the deacons are well taught. A deacon might not be able to stand up and, and, and divide the word. That doesn't matter. He knows when he hears falsehood. When he hears falsehood, he maybe can't stand up and give a lecture on it. Oh, but he sees it. He sees it and he can smell it out quicker than anybody. They must hold, verse, verse 9, look at what he says in verse 9. They must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. So I, I want you to see three things there. First, that they're committed to the mystery of the faith. They're committed to the mystery of the faith. Now when you hear that word mystery, do not think 
some mystical, it, what, what they need to be are these like mystical guys that are like, ooh, it's the mystery of the faith. No, 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 no. It's the once hidden reality that's seen in the gospel now. They need to be men who cling so tightly to Jesus Christ. They hold the realities of the doctrine of the Trinity. They can't maybe explain it fully, but they hold it with reverence. The Father has sent the Son to redeem. The Son has laid down His life for sinners. The Holy Spirit applies His redemption. God created everything out of nothing. They can't explain it fully, but man, do they believe it. And do they hold fast to it. I can't tell you the number of stories from other pastors you hear, even from other states, that they'll say, yeah, we have a deacon. He doesn't believe the Apostle Paul's an apostle. He doesn't believe the word of God is sound. I can just go off and off and off and on and on and on of deacons that have been installed that do not even know that God's word's authoritative. If we bring someone like that to serve this church, it will be to a great, a great misfortune for us. A great misfortune for us. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Here's the other one. And I think the NLT did really well here. They, 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 they translated that they're committed to the mystery of the faith and they live with a clear conscience. They live with a clear conscience. Now, your conscience is very simple. Um, it's, it's just the, the internal compass of right and wrong. And their clear conscience is opposed to what the false teachers are. False teachers live with secrecy and jealousy and rivalry and dissension. There's a joke among Baptist pastors that we'll sometimes hear and they'll be like, that, that, that deacons really only show up for the votes. Have you ever heard that? Something like that? Something to that effect? That the only time the deacons really care is when there's a vote to have, be had. When, when a decision needs made. To live with a clear conscience is to say, I'm not just here for show. I'm not here just for, for other people to see it. I'm here because I live with a clear conscience, knowing I'm going I'm to care for this body rightly. They can be compared to or contrasted with Alexander and Hymenaeus. Notice back to what First Timothy, Timothy 1, what, what Brandon read for us. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Fight the good fight, he says. Holding faith in a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And we live in a generation, unfortunately, that when you have people like Hymenaeus and Alexander, rather than leaving the church, they stay. They stay and try to make things better in their direction. False teachers who dwell in deception and lying and spend their time speaking about myths and endless genealogies. This is not to be a deacon. They're committed to the mystery of the faith. They live with a clear conscience. And then lastly, I want you to notice the other thing that we see about them. They're tested with evidence. Uh, now notice down in verse 10, it says, Now, they hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, verse 9, and let them also be tested first, then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Now, that blameless there is not perfect. We are not looking for perfect men. We're not looking for perfect men to be elders. We're not looking for perfect men to be, to be deacons. We're looking for men who are faithful, 
And part of faithfulness, I, I heard it put one time, you'd be, you'd be better off to go play a church softball game when you're looking for deacons. And you call every deacon who's safe at first base, call him out and see what he does. Or the same thing, go play a card game with him and cheat. You cheat and see what he does. Make him, make him, make him see what he d- does when, in that moment. A deacon should be tested and examined, just like we see in Acts 6. This is part of the reason why, part of our church within the Constitution, it says that membership in this church must be, they must be a member for at least a year to be considered an office of, of deacon. And part of the reason is we just want to see. We want to see what these men are like. Let's see them. Let's test them. Church, then, the, then the church, the elders examine them, but the church selects them then. and says, these are the ones we want. Now notice again what else we see about deacons in verse 11 and 12. Their wives, and then it says, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their, household, their own households well. Thirdly, I want us to see that a deacon is a family man. A deacon is a family man. The charge for deacons here is the exact same as elders. There's no difference between deacons and pastors in this way. They are to be faithful to their wives, and they're to be faithful to their families. So I want us to see a deacon's, a deacon's wife. Let's consider that for a second. A deacon's wife. And I, I, have, I have an illustration I want us to use, and I think this is helpful for us. And it, I would call it the, cons- the concentric circles of priorities for the deacons. Most of you, I think, are, are visual learners. I hope you are, at least. Uh, but, so this is how I'd want to think about it. Think about a deacon, and this is true of elders, too, but a deacon is first and foremost focused on his relationship with Christ. So he's first and foremost, before he's anything else, he's a Christian. Okay, that's a simple one. That's the most basic form of who a deacon is. If they're not there, they're disqualified. If they're not a Christian, then they're not a deacon. But there's also a second one. There's a second ring of priority. And the second ring is being a husband. So if they're, if they're married in that way, the second most basic form of a deacon is he's a husband. And this is how the priorities work. If he's not being faithful as a Christian, how on earth could he be faithful as a husband? He can't. He can't be. And so it, it begins to go outward in that way. If his wife is struggling, he cares for his wife first. So this means, I'll give you some application for us real quick. So that means, and this is true of all people as well, this isn't just true of deacons in that way, but I think we see it in deacons. So, so if he's a workaholic, this is what I grew up, I grew up from a long line of workaholics, and he's not caring for his wife, he's not qualified to be a deacon. In the same way, if he's lazy, if this man's lazy in the way that he doesn't care for his family, he's a Christian, he does all the Christian things, but ah, my wife, she's struggling, ah, I don't have time for that. No, 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 no. We need men who are faithful in that way. And again, remember, this isn't perfection. We're not talking perfection here. We're talking faithfulness over time, okay? That's what we're looking for. And then secondly is a, a deacon's family. Notice what else he says about a deacon's family. If a man can't serve his family, he will not be able to serve the church. It's a deacon's family. It's not only a deacon's wife, but it's also a deacon's family. So the third form of this is a deacon as a father. A deacon must first be able to care for himself, then care for his wife, then care for his children. Now this is true. I I say this is for deacons. This is for all of us. May I just say for a second, men in the church especially, women is just as true. It's just as true, just 
flip it on its head, but I'll just say for a second to the men, this is so true of us. So if you're a deacon, great, this is true of you. If you're not a deacon, this is what you should aspire toward. You need to care for your own soul first, then your wife, then your children, and then here's the last one, whatever else. I don't care. I don't care whatever else you do. If it's a job, then do it all to the glory of God. If it's a deacon, do it all to the glory of God. If it's a mother, do it all to the glory of God. Do it all to the glory of God. That's the last piece. It doesn't matter what you do. Do it for God's glory in that way. So again, notice what he says in verse 12. Deacons, each be the husband of one wife, managing their children and their households well. Now, I wasn't going to cover this, but I feel like we need to. Um, In some churches, women serve as deacons. And I've heard some, Baptists especially, talk about that, oh, they're just being unfaithful, they have women deacons, they have women elders. Now, women elders, there's a difference here. The only role that a woman, I would argue that a woman cannot serve in the church of Jesus Christ is a pastor. That's the only role, and that's according to 1 Timothy 2, 12. We could look at that later, but... So I want to ask the question, though, can a woman serve as a deacon? Does making a woman a deacon send us to become theological liberals? And I would say it doesn't. Here's, here's why. So there's three views that people take from this passage. They take the first one, which is deacons are men. And you probably think, well, Daniel, you use the word man for each one of these. So why'd you do that? I'll get to that. But deacons are men. This is one view that's done, okay? And they, they go from this, from the reason, if you look down at verse um, 11, he says, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife, okay? So they take that and they'd say, okay, Deacon, husband of one wife. How can the wife be the wife of a wife? She can't be. So therefore, it's the husband of one wife. But the requirements of deacons is more challenging than elders. Notice, notice, isn't it kind of strange that he gives the requirement for elders and the requirements for deacons is actually harder? That doesn't make any sense, does it? I would agree. And I, I think that's, that's, so I would, I'm not rejecting this view. I would just say that this view, I think, limits a church. I think it limits a church to not serve people well in just having men as deacons. And, and if you have questions with this, please talk to me. I'm hoping I can clearly walk through this. But, um, so here's the second view. Deacons are men and their wives. Okay, now this is actually where pretty much our church stands right now. Currently, we are, we are people who say the deacons serve, but also their wives ought to be qualified as well. And they ought to serve as deaconesses as well. And basically serve and help along with whatever the deacons are working with. So for example, let me give you an example. So if a deacon, if someone's in the hospital uh, and a deacon goes to visit them, I would not expect the deacon to, to just be a cook as well. If his wife wants to make food for her, great, that's awesome. We're making food for people, taking it to the hospital, great, that's awesome. That, that's one way where we see deacons are men and their wives. Let me give you the third one though. This is the one I'm advocating, but telling us we should caution right now. <laughs> okay, so I'm advocating it, but yet at the same time saying we're not going in this direction yet. And here's why. Deacons are men and women. But I'm saying, I want to put a pause. That's what I think, we, I believe, theologically from Scripture, but I want us to put a pause on it, and here's why. The third inter- interpretation is that word wives, and this is true, their wives, likewise, must be dignified. Uh, not slanderers, but sober-minded and faithful all things. There's two things I want to note there. The first is that that word wives is not wives. It's women. We, we do this all the time. You can look at 1 Corinthians 11, other places. The context of the text is the only reason we call it wives rather than women. 
so there's two things here. That's the first, is that the word women is actually right there in verse 11. Secondly, notice in verse 11 it says, their wives likewise, just like he says back in verse 8, deacons likewise. And so he's laying out an office, but he's laying out an office of men, and then he actually repeats himself again. Here's my third reason. He actually repeats himself again. Their wives likewise must be dignified. Now, is he just being like really, really funny and like, hey, they really need to be respected. They need to be respected two times over. He repeats the same word a second time. Or could it be that he's saying that deacons are made up of men and women? The problem we get into is when deacons begin to serve the role of elders. And this is the problem that I think most churches end up falling into. Their deacons end up serving as pastors. So, so churches that have deacon women and deacon men, but their deacons are running the church, that's not helpful. Do you know why? Because the women then are taking the authority that's meant to be for, for pastors in that way. So if deacons are functioning biblically, a woman can serve as a deacon. Now, why am I saying not right now for us, okay? There are several reasons. First Timothy 2, 12. We live, here's a couple of reasons, just practically. For one, we live in a very feministic age, okay? We live in a very, 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 very feministic age, okay? And this is what Paul tells Timothy in just same, same book. He tells, her, he tells him, First Timothy 2, 12, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, which is actually why, which is actually why women are not allowed to be elders and pastors in that way, Okay? Uh, so deacons act more like, when they act more like elders, it's best to hold off. And I think that's where our church is at right now. We, we have a solo pastor right now. We don't have multiple elders. I would just say it's wise for us to continue to go in, in the direction we are. So we're only going to be bringing forward men in this next vote. And you may think that's wrong. Please talk to me. If you have questions about this, I know. Either way, whichever direction you go. And I want you to notice, too, um, you're probably thinking, well, Daniel, are you going off the uh, theological liberal route? And I would say no. Here's why. Here's many reasons why. Uh, for one, um, deaconesses have always been a thing. All the way up until, all the way up in, in, into the hundreds ADs, not even a hundred years after Jesus, we see deaconesses being shamefully treated in the church. You know why? Because women weren't allowed to have a position. But yet they're being shamefully treated. And I could show you some examples from that. Let me give you another one from Charles Spurgeon. He says, It would be a great mercy if God gave us the privilege of having many sons who all preached the gospel and many daughters who were all eminent in the church as teachers, deaconesses, missionaries, and the like. So even Spurgeon would say something like that. But I think another guy named Philip Ryken, I thought he had some good faithful words with this. He said, If the problem with feminist theology has been a failure to submit to divine order, the traditional church has often failed to employ the gifts of women to their full biblical extent. And I, I think that's true. I think that's true. So if the problem with feministic theology is their f failure to submit to divine order, the traditional church has failed to employ the gifts of women. They have these gifts from God, and they're sitting them, and they're putting them to the side in that way. So whether, and he says, he goes on to say, whether they are called deaconesses or not, Women should exercise servant ministry to the glory of God. They should minister to those who are in need, to the sick, to the friendless, and to any who may be in distress. So I hope that's encouraging. If you're a, if you're a lady sitting here, I hope that's encouraging for you. We need you as a body. We desperately need you. We desperately need you here. I want to end with this. Just several rewards for, um, for the man, okay? For the deacon in this way. So... 
And if that's confusing, what I've just said, I did an ex, just a, a side comment, really, about these things. They're important, but they're not ultimate, okay? So I'll, if you have questions about it, please see me. Please talk to me. I, I want to talk about these things. Um, here's the last thing I want us to look at. I want us to look at the rewards. So the rewards for the man. And you may be sitting there thinking, well, we're saved by grace through faith. Isn't, isn't rewards, isn't that too much? What are you talking about there? Notice what he says in verse 13, though. He says, for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. You know, much of deacons' work is done in private. Actually, the bulk majority of it is done in private. Every once in a while, we'll put up, we'll put up a, a balcony out there like you've all seen. <laughs> Everyone sees the work that's done. But the majority of the work is thankless. The majority of the work is unto the Lord, and no one else sees it. But notice what he says again. For those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves. Here's the two pieces I want us to see. I want us to see the first one is that a well-grounded hope for judgment. They have a well-grounded hope for judgment. Here's, here's why I say that. Jesus loves his bride. I don't know about you, but I, you hear it and you maybe even say it often. Oh, the church, well, I hate it when the church does this. Fill in the blank. The church in America, fill in the blank. Jesus loves his church. Jesus loves his church even when she is dysfunctional. Jesus loves his church even when she's a whore. Jesus loves his church even though we may despise her. But deacons, oh, deacons, they are servants of her. So one day they're going to stand before their maker. They're going to stand before Christ, and he's going to see, you cared for my bride. When everyone else hated her, when everyone else despised her, you were her servant. And for that, they will have a well-grounded hope for judgment in that way. So a standing for themselves is not about rank. We're not talking about rank here, that they're going to somehow be better within the church. Rather, they will have a well-grounded hope that when they see Christ, they will say, I trusted you here on earth, but I cared for your body. I cared for your body well in that way. So that's the first piece. The second piece is this, is it's a boldness in the faith. Uh, so for those who serve well as deacons, gain a good standing for themselves, or gr- well-grounded hope, as well as also a great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. It's a boldness in the faith. Here's the other gain you have. And maybe, maybe you're one who sits and doubts your salvation often. I know for people who do doubt their salvation, the way to find assurance is not through looking inward. And this is why a deacon can say he has great confidence in the faith. If we look inward, it just leads to despair. If we say, oh man, I'm, I'm wondering, am I really a Christian? I'm not sure. And we're just like, let me just look a little deeper in my heart. You know what you'll find? Despair. But a deacon's not, he doesn't do that. Philip Ryken, he says again, assurance of faith does not come through introspection, but through service. Here's how assurance of faith comes. It's through service. Those who labor for the Lord most actively love him most confidently. Let me say that one more time. Those who labor for the Lord most actively love him most confidently. You don't have to be a deacon to do this. I, I will say, and I'll just conclude here even too, if, if you're sitting here today and wondering, like, man, am I a Christian? I'm not really sure. The way you find it 
is not by saying, let me, let me look inwardly, let me look at an experience I had. No, 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 no. Let me serve Christ's body. Let me, let me walk in obedience through love, like we saw in 1 John. So I want us to conclude here with this. Deacons are respected, doctrinally sound, doctrinally sound family men who serve the bride of Christ. Their cry of my life for yours, which is what we saw last week, is God's plan for, of care. And I'll just continue to reiterate, we're bringing on more deacons, and so I, I'm asking, I'm pleading with you as a church, pray for us. Pray for us as a body. Pray for us that we would see and know who are the next deacons of this church. Who are they? And may we even, maybe even go talk to them. Maybe go talk to a, a, one of these guys and say, are you, do you think you're one of these guys? I think you are. What I see is, is that. Maybe go talk to them. But I encourage you, please, 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 pray for us. Pray for us. We need, we need to grow in this, okay? Um, I want us to conclude, though, with, with communion. And, and here's part of the reason why. Um, I love taking communion pr- right, semi-regularly like this, mainly because it reminds us of the hope we have in Christ. It, it reminds us, I, wanna, I want you to hear again what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, whoever, there eat, whoever therefore eats the bread and drink, or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. I'll just continue to remind you, if you're not a Christian, don't take of this. It's not, it's not to exclude people. It's to say this, this, is, this is actually one area that the early church would literally stand and guard. They would stand and, and, and guard the table, if you've ever heard it put like that. Now, I don't do that. I don't stand here with a sword <laughs> to guard the table. That's kind of silly. But I'll tell you, if you're not a Christian, don't take. Don't take. Just let it pass. It's okay. Because what we're saying when we take of the bread and we take of the cup is we're saying Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ is coming again. And I'm taking part in that. I'm clinging to him by faith. So if there's sin in your life, throw it out. Get rid of the leaven. Take of the bread. Take of the cup in that way. Don't do it perfectly. Obviously, you won't do it perfectly, but do it sincerely. Do it genuinely, yet at the same time, do it in faith, okay? That's what, that's what I'm aiming for here. So if the deacons, if you guys can come forward, uh, Norman and Tony, if you guys want to come forward, we'll take, we'll take the bread and the cup.